I should call my former Hebrew professor and ask him how to pronounce it correctly, but if it's not Haggai, I'm going to be mad at him. So who was the who was the governor of the group that went back to uh, uh, rebuild the temple? What was his name? Zerubbabel. Who said that? Good. Come on, Thane. Who was the priest of the time? Hmm. What was the town in Babylon that they came from, where the palace was at? Shushan. Yeah, I'm going to start doing. I think I'm going to start giving you guys a test. <laughs> Been a long time since I took a test. I don't know. It might be fun to be the guy administrating the test. I've never done that, so that'd be fun. All right. All right, so we are in uh, chapter one. We uh, started this out last week, and, and if you recall, so just to help, help you guys remember what's going on, we had the uh, uh, Judah, or I, I call it Israel, um, have been taken captive, and so... We have the, the divided kingdom, so we have Judah, and then we also have Israel, and Israel's 10, Judah's 2. Anyway, Judah had been taken captive in 586 B.C. and uh, by Nebuchadnezzar and had been taken into Babylon. And for 70 years then, they were uh, held captive there and w- without a nation and, and without an identity as uh, being God's children, and and it was even it was interesting to me a couple of things that I thought about Jeremiah prophesied to them and said you are going to be taken captive and so don't fight it and go and build homes there and raise your children and uh, um, worship God to the best that you can there but you're not going to be able to have a temple and sacrifice and all of those things and Something else that I think is interesting, they were held captive for 70 years, and you had, uh, you had Nebuchadnezzar, who reigned during that time and that 70 years. You had his son, Belteshazzar, that uh, he reigned, and then you had um, the uh, Medes and the Persians came in, and uh, you had um, uh, uh, Darius came in and took over, and then you had Cyrus. And so, and there was even, there was even, some of these kings are kind of hard. There there might have been like two Dariuses. And and so, uh, I'm not sure on that, but uh, anyway, uh, at least four different rulers 
in 70 years. And, you know, these guys that uh, seek all the power and, and seek all of the prominence in their lives, we just need to understand that that kind of stuff comes and goes. And uh, let, let's just make sure that we stay seeking after what's important and seek after that which is eternal. And so it was under Darius that now the first group is allowed to go back and they were to go back and uh, restore the temple and and uh, get the temple rebuilt. And then we know that uh, Ezra then was going to come a little bit later and he was going to reestablish worship. So they'd have the temple rebuilt. They would be ready for him. He would bring in the next uh, group of people and they would... Uh, uh, restore the worship, and then we know that Nehemiah was the third group that came in, and uh, Nehemiah came in to rebuild the walls uh, of the city to keep it safe. And so this is the first group that had come, and and so they had left uh, uh, Babylon in that area and Shushan the palace and those the the uh, all the way up north, and they had left and and had come down and. The first two years, they had started rebuilding the temple, and they had uh, had built the foundation. They had built the altar for the sacrifices, and then uh, the, there was the the public that uh, was mad at them, didn't want them to be able to do that. And and we know it's a spiritual battle that's always been against the Jews, and the reason being it's against the Jews is because they're God's people. And Satan is going to do everything he can to stop God's people and stop God's plan. And that's why there's still a battle today. And that's why we still need to stand with Israel because they are still God's chosen people. And um, and God will bless those that stand with them. And so anyway, so the first two years they do that. And then they, they got it shut down. And the king sent a letter and said, shut it down. You're not going to, to do any more. And... Uh, uh, not going to have, uh, we're, we're just not going to let you rebuild it. And so then it sat there for 16 years and nothing was done. And in those 16 years, they started rebuilding their homes. They started reestablishing their businesses. They, they started uh, uh, making money and, and doing very well for themselves. And then here comes Haggai who had come with them. And, uh, you know, apparently he was, he was there with them and, and had started rebuilding the temple. And I find it interesting that, that he was silent for several years. And then we see that he comes out after 16 years of silence. And now we have the messages that uh, Haggai gives them. And in Haggai chapters 1 and 2, you have four messages that he gives to them in a period of about four months. And so that's the record that we have. We're still in the first message that he gave to them, and so uh, and and we saw the message given uh, in in chapters one or chapter one verses one through eleven. And first of all, we saw the warning. And in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek the high priest, saying. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. Now, I also mentioned that. I, I believe it's 14 times. I, I don't have it written in my notes today, but if I remember in my study, 14 times the, the, the phrase Lord of hosts is used in this. And there, there's a reason for all things that God does, obviously. And, 
And we know that they, they went back into a hostile territory, and, and this was not a place that was pro-God, and they, they weren't pro-Jews, and they weren't pro-Israel, and, and they were going to go back, and they were going to face some uh, 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 characters that did not want them to do this, and God is constantly reminding them that he is the Lord of the army. The host means army, and so uh, he, he has all the army that's needed, and he, and he doesn't need the army anyway. He could do whatever he wanted to, even with a spoken word. And and but here, wanting them to know that that God is all powerful and serve Him, and things will be okay. And thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, "This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built." And so you have complacency. You you have. Uh, and, and arrogance about them where they, they have now gotten the, the, the priorities are wrong and they're seeking to uh, just fulfill whatever it is that they want, building their own homes and saying, oh, now is not the time to build the house of God. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? And so now he starts waking them up and telling them that, uh, you guys want to live in your plush homes, and and but you're willing to uh, let the 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 house of God, the temple of God, sit here in in ruin. And and then he says, now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, and you need to pay attention to these things, and and direct your mind to these things. And and it's a command telling them to consider your ways. And, and then he tells them that you've sown much, you bring in little, you eat, but you have not enough. You drink, you're uh, you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages uh, to put into a bag with holes. Can, and I know it's a principle. I know it's an Old Testament principle, okay? It doesn't state it in the New Testament. But can I tell you that principle still lies true today? I see it over and over in people's lives. If, if you're a born-again believer and you just flat choose not to to give God of your time, your talent, and your treasures, you will never find satisfaction, and you will never get ahead in your life. God just, he just does that, and and, and it's just part of, of uh, doing and being obedient to what God wants you to be, and and we need to, to uh, be willing to be generous with, with our time. We need to be generous with our uh, treasures. We need to be generous with our talent that we have and use it for God and use it for His honor and His glory. And uh, otherwise, it's just like you're earning and it's all going away. And you're never, uh, and, and there's never any satisfaction. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Again, another principle. You glorify God, he will be pleased. And you will find that, that life will go a little bit easier for you. Doesn't mean that you won't have your challenges, that you're always going to have those challenges, and Satan's going to throw things at you. Your sin nature is going to rise up, and uh, the, the culture and all of those things are still going to be there, but you, you can find that when, when you glorify God, God is pleased, and you will find that that God leads you and directs you and makes your, your, makes your path plain and simple, and you can understand it. You look so much, and lo, it came to little, and 
When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from the dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. And, and here we see even our disobedience can, can even affect nature. And it affects nature because God's the one that controls nature. And oh, how we need to learn to be obedient and trust Him and, and make certain that He is the center of our lives. And, and that's what He was calling them to do. They had gone back and they had let the, the world convince them that, that uh, they didn't need to do these things. And, and uh, I'm, I'm telling you, they, they were paying a severe price for this. You know, a thought that keeps running through my mind as I'm going through this, what would we do, and, and I know I'm the pastor, okay, but uh, if, if I was just like you guys working in, the, in, in town or whatever and working a secular job, raising my family, what would we do without this church? I mean, where, where would we go? I, 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 you know, where, where are we going to worship? Where are we going to... And and I don't know. I, I mean, I think that I think that that people sometimes take things for granted that you just really shouldn't take for granted. And and it is only as as powerful as and useful as we allow God to use us and make a difference and and serve Him. And we need to worship God and and we need to be thankful. For and, and I'm talking about people in the church, okay? But I am also talking about a building. You know, the, the building is where the church family meets. And, and it's there where hearts are changed. It's there where major decisions are made. I, when we moved out of that little building, it was difficult. I mean, there, there was a lot of growing that took place in my life in that, that little building on 708 Warner. And, and there was a lot of hard things that went through. And and there were a lot of good things, and there was a lot of great memories of our our kids and all of us, you know, in there uh, cleaning toilets, you know, and mopping the floor, and and playing games, you know, watching the kids play hide and seek, or you know, and mowing the grass and talking to Dick, our neighbor, and and uh, I, I mean, there was all, and you know, and let it let us make sure that that we're focused on the right things in our lives. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong to go make a living and, and enjoy your life and, and do some of those things that you enjoy, but don't take, the, don't take the church of God that you are part of for granted and think that, well, it'll go on with or without us. And, well, it will or it could or, or you know, the sad thing is I'm on a, I'm on a site on fa uh, social media where it talks about, churches that are looking for pastors and in the last month i think i've seen four churches that said we don't need a pastor we shut the doors sold the building uh, and that's the reality of the day now some of them maybe they needed to I, i'm sorry i don't mean to be too harsh here but there's a whole lot of churches i'm sorry morgan county that could shut down and nobody's gonna miss it if you don't preach the gospel, you just don't need to be a church. And so preach the gospel. But here, let's not take for granted what 
what God has given us, and let's make sure that we are all putting effort and, and putting our, our lives into this. And I can tell you, too, the more you invest yourself in it, the, the more important it becomes and, and the more valuable it is to all of your family. It is what you want to put into it. And so then we go on, and now we see the reaction in verses 12 through 15 to what God has told them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, he's the, he's the politician, okay? And Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, this is the spiritual leader uh, of that society. With all the remnant of the people, so that's everybody else that has, uh, that, that has come back with them, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people did fear before the Lord. You know, you know what we have here? We have an awakening, okay? We have what we could consider a revival that, that breaks out and, and takes place here. And, and you have some great things that take place. You have... The government official, the high government official, the governor at that time, whose heart is right, who wants to serve God, do the right thing. And so now you have a government that is pleasing to God. You, you have Joshua, the priest, who, who represents the spiritual side of things, that isn't trying to fleece the flock, and he's not trying to, 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 to uh, uh, just uh, rob people, or, or, or he's not you know, just doing his own thing. He's, he's truly serving God, honoring God, and, and doing what it is that, that God would have him to do. And with that, the remnant of the people, all of the people, are obeying the voice of the Lord their God, the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. You know, I, I find it interesting that uh, in uh, Romans 13, look at Turn over there if you would like, okay? Romans chapter 13 talks about our government. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are, be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. So there, there is the qualification of the government, okay? The, the government is there uh, not to be a terror to good works, but to the evil. So now if you are, if you are in an ungodly government and you are in a, a, a government that is, that is pushing things that are ungodly and, and unbiblical and telling you to do things and making you do things that are unbiblical, you stand against that, Okay? I mean, there you do you do not obey somebody that some of the even some of the laws that they're trying to pass here. There comes a point where you serve God, not man. And so I, I feel like I have to to qualify that. But here the the government for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And and then it goes on, and, and all the way down through this, talking about the government. And, and here we see that at this time, they had a governor that wanted to serve God. We need to be praying that God can turn our government upside down and get them right with him. And, and God can restore this country. And, and maybe not restoration may not be the word, 
Because I don't believe that America ever has been where it needs to be. It needs to be totally sold out, serving God in all areas. Now, it, it, I'm not saying it was bad, but I'm saying that it, there was always room for improvement. But here the government needs to be looking to God. The, the, the spiritual leaders need to be looking to God. Look over in Colossians chapter 4. I think somebody mentioned this one time or I read it somewhere. But I find this interesting. In Colossians 4 and verse 17, Paul writing this, and he says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Now, it seems to me like, like he is telling Archippus that you're, you're neglecting some things here, and you need to get it right, and you need to fulfill the things that you have been called to do. You know who, who he pastored? He pastored the church in Laodicea. And about 30 years from when that was written, you have John writing in the book of Revelation how Laodicea now had become a church full of lukewarmness. Didn't care about anything. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Maybe that pastor never did fulfill his calling and, and fulfill the duties and the obligations that he had. And, and because of that, Laodicea then is marked down as one of those seven churches and, and not in a positive manner. You remember also Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, he said, Demas has forsaken me and, and followed the world. And so you have those. But then you also have Paul who wrote in, in 2 Timothy 4 in verse 7 there, uh, he stayed faithful to the end. And so uh, we, we see here the, the, what's going on and, and we see the, the, the prime atmosphere for the awakening or for the revival that was taking place uh, there because it started with the leaders and then it filtered down to all the people. And so here the remnant and the, the remnant were uh, getting right with God too. And it says that they, uh, they, they listened to the words of Haggai and they uh, listened to God and they feared God. And, and then turn back to Ezra, if you would. So back before the Psalms, uh, right before Job, okay? Uh, look at the, the small book of Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, okay? So we'll go to Ezra. And, and I want you to see something here. Ezra comes back, and, and uh, uh, here we see that uh, he comes back, restores worship. And I mean, they're having a great time, and things are getting right. And and then he turns around and finds out that there was other sin in their lives that, that he wasn't aware of. They had gone in. They had uh, married a bunch of unbelieving women in all these other nations, other tribes that they were told not to. And, and Ezra found that out. And in chapter 9 and verse 6, this is what Ezra said, and said, Oh, my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. I think sometimes that here we see that Ezra took ownership, and this was his nation. These were his people. Was he practicing that? No, he wasn't. But he, he, he continued to say that, that, that it's our iniquities, and, 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 and it's over our head, and our trespass, and our trespass, and uh, you know, this is our America, okay? This is our country. This is our community, okay? And, and, and we need to understand that, 
that we need to be doing better at getting the word out. We need to do better at standing right and, and standing courageously for what God's word says. Let, let us be bold in that. Let us tell others about that and, and, let, and allow God to use us to make a great difference in our community. We need to have some ownership in these things and, and, and truly be, be aware of these things. And, and so then it goes on, and, and uh, I find this interesting. You, you uh, read down through here, and, and uh, um, verse 14, Should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldst not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us, so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped. As it is this day, behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. Now when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Arise for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also will be with thee, be of good courage, and do it. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests, the Levites, and all Israel to swear that they should do according to this word, and they swear. Now, I know it's Old Testament, and I'm telling you, the law has no mercy. Law has no compassion. And, and, and here, we, we need to praise God that, that, that he showed compassion, even though the law did not, and, but they needed to obey, and they did. Well, can I tell you, the only hope that we have for our country, the only hope that we have for our community today, it's not a civil war, but it's people getting right with God. It's Christians waking up and doing the right thing and telling people about Jesus and, and not only telling them about it, but living in a way where their life truly backs up what they're saying and let God change this country. Let God change this community. And I'm telling you, he can do that if we will be serious, truly serious about serving God. Let your walk, let, let your walk talk and make sure that you're, 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 yeah, anyway, you know. And so you, your walk walks and your talk talks, but your walk talks a lot louder than your talk talks. And that's right. I got it right that time. <clears throat> oh, how careful we need to be. And, and if we are going to see anything change in this country, the change first has to come here. And, and we need to pray that God would, ups, you know, we're, we're missing the government right now. That government needs to be stood on their head by God and bring them to a repentant heart. And, and we should pray for that. And we should pray then for our, for our spiritual leaders to get things right in their lives and and walk according to the word of God, and and the and the congregation needs to follow along and doing those things, and and then look at this, and we're almost done. We see God's answer to this. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger and the Lord's message unto the people. 
How many times is that said too? Haggai always writing down, he's giving God's message. That's it. Just give God's message. Unto the people saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. When, when we start doing the right thing, the first thing that we have is the assurance of God's presence in our lives. And, and we know that he is with us. And re- remember, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He says that in Hebrews chapter 13 and, and uh, verse 5. But I also think it's interesting in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, the Spirit itself, the Holy Spirit of God itself, beareth witness. Beareth witness means to confirm or or to testify, right? Beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Can I tell you that whenever you're walking spiritually, the Holy Spirit is constantly reminding you that you're a child of God. And all of Romans 8 goes in and talks about that. And and at the very last part of Romans chapter 8, who can separate us from the love of Christ? No one, nothing. God is with us. And so there's an assurance of his presence. And Here he gave that to them there in in verse 13. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. So he stirs them up and and whenever to to excite them. Look, we ought to be excited. I, I mean... People are, I mean, people are scared to death out there. People are doomsdayers all over the place, and 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 there's nothing to live for. And you, you know, I I I caught this too. I I look at Breitbart for news, and and even those those little dweebs on there, you know, they they have these little, uh, you, you know, the 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 um, uh, headlines, right? Well, you look at certain headlines, and it's like a doomsdayer thing, and then you look down. And you see that it's sponsored, which means it's an ad. And so in these ads are, you, you need to buy all of these things for your, for your basement, you know, and all the food for this, or, or you need to have this, you know, and prepared for this. And, and all they're doing on both sides of this, trying to make money uh, off of those who are walking around in fear and, and an uncontrolled mind and not doing what they ought to do. And, and, and can I tell you that, that God stirs us up a whole lot differently, and he doesn't stir us up in fear, but he stirs us up in confidence and boldness because we live in a great time right now where we can truly see a, uh, making a difference in people's lives and showing them, hey, all that anxiety, all that stress, can I tell you that you can live in a peace that only Jesus can give you? And that we need to, we need to look to that, and we need to trust that. And so then he stirs them up, and then it says, And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. You know what he's telling them? Guys, that temple is far more important than the house you're living in. God says, I'll take care of your home. I'll take care of your food. I'll take care of your clothing. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll add all these things unto you. Well, that's true for us today. You know, we have 42 kids here tonight. Isn't that awesome? And what can God do with those 42 kids and, and to teach them? And I, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are here tonight. Praise the Lord for that. And I'm thankful for those kids 
And, and I'm telling you, as long as we're doing those kinds of things and we're reaching and helping people, God's going to do something great here. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. And I believe that God can change this country, and he can do it one community at a time, and why not start here? Why not use us? Let's make a difference by truly being sold out, give to God what he wants from you, and serve him, and serve him, and we'll see that God can do great things. I, I don't know. That's just a powerful message that Haggai had for them in chapter one. Look forward to the chapter two. See what he has for us there. Father, we thank you for your word. Pray your blessings on each one. Take them safely home tonight and guide us and bring us back when the doors are open. In Jesus' name, amen.